Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Golden State Warriors continue to struggle on the road, but the defending champs still have the fifth best odds to win a title this year at plus 1,500. Can they secure a playoff spot through this rough stretch of games? Do they have a deep enough rotation to advance in the West? And how much longer can they survive these inconsistencies? Kylan Mills and I will break it down for you. This is Screaming from the Sidelines. What's up, Screamers? We are delicately praying the Wi-Fi is stable because that is the hard part. The easy part is talking about basketball, and this is actually episode number 30 now of Screaming from the Sidelines, so it's so fitting that we're talking about the Golden State Warriors today, and I've got a fantastic guest, someone who is incredibly busy all the time, so we value her time very, very much. Kylan Mills is a sports host, reporter, analyst. She's done incredible work with the Pac-12 Network, Apple TV+, ESPN+, and is also a co-host on the Lockdown Warriors podcast. So basically, this is my long and winded way of saying she's a crazy hard worker, taking gigs all over Northern California. So we are extremely grateful for her giving us the time today. And Kylan, welcome to Believe. Greg, thank you so much. Can you just like follow me around and hype me up in my everyday life? Because that was an awesome introduction to me. And I feel like now the standards set really high for me <laughs> to be a good guest on this show. But I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate you having me on and looking forward to chop it up. I'm always up to talk some Warriors basketball. And I know you follow the team closely as well. So I'm excited to hear what some of your thoughts are. For better or worse this season... I am following the team closely, and I hate to start at a point where I'm just going to have you repeat probably all the things you're constantly talking about with the Warriors, but with last night's loss, they are 34-32. and 32. They are the number six seed in the West, which puts them just a half a game ahead of the number seven seed in the play-in tournament, and they're two and a half games ahead of the number 10 seed. Uh, They're currently in a brutal stretch of their schedule where they have eight of 10 games on the road and the two home games are against the Bucks and the Suns. So the road has not been kind to them at all. The Bucks and Suns are tremendous opponents to have to face on the home floor. And last night they gave up 137 points to the Oklahoma City Thunder in what was a nine point loss. Even with a 40-point performance from Steph Curry and just his second game back in action, the Warriors still struggled. And Kylan, I hate to open the show with this rhetorical question and making you repeat everything, but what is it about Golden State that prevents them from showing up on the road? It's just, it's the question of the season, Greg. And I wish I had a clear-cut answer. Uh, however, I actually posed this to my followers on Twitter. I've got a pretty good Warriors community on there because it truly is a mystery. It's like watching two different teams. And something I pointed out is that the Warriors' defensive rating at home is just over 108. That's the best in the NBA. Their defensive rating on the road is 118, which is good for second worst. And once again, we know the records, the home and road records, also best and worst in the league. But just like, what is it? I mean, the number one thing, as I just pointed out, defense. To me, the Warriors just cannot play defense on the road. Just a month ago, or a little less than a month ago, the Warriors gave up 114. They beat Oklahoma City at home. 
and they were a team that the Warriors seemed like they'd taken care of throughout the season. Now, all of a sudden, they go on the road, they go to Oklahoma City, and they just can't deliver. The biggest problem to me was defense. The Warriors just, from top to bottom, did not play good defense. You're talking about perimeter defense, ball containment, rotations. It just It's bad all around. And then just to me, like one of the biggest problems this season has just been lack of intensity and lack of hustle. And it sounds so simple and so basic in basketball, but like the Warriors just go out there some days and it doesn't look like they want it. It doesn't look like they have the fight, the hunger. And it just, it was just an ugly game. Um, the question of what is the difference? I mean, that's the question again of the season. Um, I don't know that I have a clear cut answer. I will say, I do think the absence of Mike Brown has made a huge difference with this year's team. Uh, last year's associate head coach, for those who don't know, now the head coach of the Sacramento Kings was the defensive coordinator for the Warriors. And I think that his presence is missed more than a lot of people realized it would be. He was responsible for a lot of the Warriors defensive schemes for getting them going with what they were doing defensively and for game planning, getting the players locked in and focused on that side of the ball. And I do think that's a big factor in why they aren't performing. Um, defensively, at least as far as going on the road, it is fascinating because with older players, I mean, yes, you do have, you know, some of the rigors of what the road brings on the body, but also they've been there before they know how to play in road environments. So you'd think that they'd be able to easily adjust. Um, but that just hasn't been the case. And, you know, you look at the LA game, LA isn't a far road trip. You're not talking about the exhaustion of flying cross country, playing in a three hour time difference. Like LA is right down the road and the Warriors still stunk it up after going on a five game win streak. So it's baffling to me, Greg. I don't know that I have the answer. I do think missing Mike Brown is a huge factor this season that maybe isn't talked about enough or wasn't talked about enough going into the season. I am glad that you bring up Mike Brown because it makes sense why the narrative's not talked about for a few reasons. Number one is Steve Kerr has had other associates go other places and they have not had a ton of success. Alvin Gentry went to the Pelicans, Luke Walton went to the Kings, etc. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Warriors stayed really good during that stretch and became this dynasty. Now, Mike Brown has departed. He even had a little bit of a shaky head coaching stretch in the playoffs last year, which not saying that was necessarily his fault, but the team did not look like themselves when Steve Kerr had to miss time with COVID. And so now you got Mike Brown, who has, I'm going to repeat this, the Sacramento Kings are the number two seed in the West. It's wild. Which is ridiculous. And you can say all you want about, oh, the West is weaker or there's more parity. I'm sorry, but the Kings, I think they'll just take what they can get at this point. And they are the number two seed in the Western Conference. Now the Warriors have had great disparity. It seems like sometimes, like you said, Kylan, they show up at home. They have all this fight and energy. Steph Curry is either the joyful, energetic presence that he is on the court or even on the bench as the ultimate hype man. Uh, yeah. Sometimes on the road, they look a little bit more flat. I mean, Andrew Wiggins has been missing time since the All-Star break. I don't think that should be just blown over either. But these are issues that, frankly, were going on even with Wiggins in the lineup, as good as he is as an individual player. Yeah. So there's a lot of weirdness going on. And I guess the second question I want to bring into you for this Thunder game in particular is, does the fact that Steph Curry scored 40 points and the Warriors never really were within reach at the end, does that alarm you? Yeah, it is concerning. Absolutely. Um, I think that Warriors fans should be concerned. I mean, the bottom line is this team can't figure out how to win on the road. 
with Steph in the lineup, without Steph in the lineup, the Warriors are just one game over 500 with Steph Curry playing. And throughout the season, we've seen multiple times where he's put up big numbers, put the team on his back, and it doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't affect the team's ability to win because, once again, if you can't stop the other team from scoring on defense, well, it's hard to win basketball games, even when Steph Curry is shooting the way that we know he can shoot. Um, So to me, that's absolutely concerning. A lot of people, I think, were looking at Steph Curry coming back at suddenly fueling this huge surge towards the the postseason for the Warriors. Everyone really encouraged by the five-game, you know, win streak at home without Steph Curry thinking his presence was going to add this huge boost and and once again you know try to really just galvanize this group heading into the postseason and into this final stretch of games and that just hasn't been the case and flat out it's you know alarming to me just that this season that the Warriors aren't really much better with Steph Curry than without him and to me that tells me there's a big bigger issue at hand and again it's got to be the defense but they're not playing any better defense with Steph or without Steph and so therefore those defensive problems just continue to plague them and the road problems continue to plague them like adding Steph just doesn't seem to be a factor for the team this season and it's absolutely a big concern in Steph's absence we saw some of the players around him step up we saw Jordan Poole putting up huge numbers. Jordan Poole appears to not be able to execute the same way when he comes in off the bench, which is just another kind of interesting dynamic that you've got going on. How do you deal with that? Because the Warriors need those big points from Jordan Poole as well. And I think he's going to be absolutely critical if they want to make a playoff push. He hasn't been able to figure out how to do that off the bench this season. And if you look at his numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but there's a huge disparity in Jordan Poole in the starting lineup and and without and out of the starting lineup. So it's kind of interesting that inserting Steph Curry hasn't necessarily helped the team when it comes to wins and losses. And it's definitely concerning because once again, I think people believe, hey, the team has this five game win streak going. You Add in two starters, two of the team's best players in Steph Curry, and hopefully at some point Andrew Wiggins, wow, now we're going to be unstoppable. That's just not the case. The defense still looks terrible. The team still can't win on the road, and it feels like we're back to square one in that the team looks totally disconnected, even with Steph Curry and you know the individual special performances he can put out there. I am glad you bring up Jordan Poole off the bench versus in the starting lineup. I don't have the current numbers in front of me, but I did look into this just a couple of weeks ago, and it was about an 11 to 12 points per game difference, like 14-something to 25-something. And then shooting percentages overall wasn't a terrible disparity, but the three-point percentage was a big one, which makes sense why the points were so big. I don't really understand it either. And the Steph Curry insert into the lineup and not, making a big difference is the most mind-boggling element of the season for me because if you take so you said they are one game over 500 with Steph Curry in the lineup they're two games over 500 overall which makes them identical when he's out of the lineup which is just also crazy if you asked me in my basketball watching lifetime the guys who not necessarily the greatest players always, but who does the best job of elevating their teammates to different heights? I would say the four that stick out to me are LeBron James, the late, great Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, and now more recently it's Nikola Jokic with a lot of these advanced statistics. So why Steph Curry has not had the same impact on this season when he has played at an MVP-like level is just fascinating and I don't know if we're really going to get answers and maybe not even until the playoffs and we have to see whether they get into the playoffs if so do they make it competitive do they win a series can they win two series 
everyone knows this is not a team you should necessarily count out. And they still have the fifth best odds to win the championship. They're at plus 1,500 right now on FanDuel, which is higher than the Philadelphia 76ers, who are playing much better basketball. It's higher than the Memphis Grizzlies even before all this recent news came out. So it's pretty crazy, and I think everyone's just assuming this team is going to turn it on when they have to, because if Steph, Clay, and Draymond are all out there together, they've won 27 consecutive playoff series road games. Or they've won a road game in a playoff series, um, which is just ridiculous. Now, I want to run something by you, because I know on Lockdown Warriors, you and Cyrus have discussed this rotation dilemma a lot. Anthony Lamb mm-hmm. and Ty Jerome, they get a lot of minutes while Moses Moody kind of buried on the bench. Jonathan Kaminga does play, but not necessarily as much as a lot of Warriors fans would like to see. If everybody is fully healthy in the playoffs, and I'm accounting for Gary Payton II being able to come back, which I know is a big if, but I want to run this nine-man rotation by you, and is this enough to go make a playoff run? If you have your Best five-man lineup in the league of Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney. And then you got Poole. You got Dante DiVincenzo, who's been a fantastic role player. You got Jonathan Kaminga. And you got Gary Payton the second. I mean, maybe Anthony Lamb is your 10th, depending on matchups and foul trouble. But at face value, this group looks awesome to me. Yeah, I mean, I think that nine-man rotation absolutely looks like a strong rotation, and that's why so many Warriors fans were excited when the team first traded for Gary Payton II, uh, only to be so quickly disappointed by the whole chaos that ensued in Gary Payton II's physical results um, coming back problematic. Um, So I like that nine-man rotation, and I think theoretically and on paper, they should absolutely be a team that could threaten and you know could be in contention of a championship. Uh, My question, though, is, why hasn't it worked all season? And, you know, you add in Gary Payton the second, he's a player who hasn't previously been playing, but outside of that, you know, there have been times where we've seen those players all healthy and playing for the Warriors and they still have not been able to string together wins. Um, so to me, there still is just a lot of questions that remain about what exactly has been missing with the Warriors. Where has the disconnect, the lack of intensity come from? And I know a lot of folks say, well, you know, the Warriors just wait to show up in the in the postseason and you know this is just the preseason whatever you want to call it uh but at some point you have to put yourself in a positive seating and you do have to show up for some regular season games and you do have to string together some momentum and positive performances leading into the postseason i do believe momentum is a huge factor when it comes to playoffs in any sport um you know and a team that's disconnected disjointed not playing with a lot of heart and hustle and definitely not performing or at least doing those things on the road i don't see how you just show up in the postseason and suddenly flick a light switch and you're going to be beating the Boston Celtics on the road in Boston or even some of these stronger now you know teams in the west Nikola Jokic or heading to Phoenix and we still don't really know and haven't seen exactly what that Suns team is going to look like completely healthy with you know Kevin Durant now there um you know you're going to have to go beat them on the road and you're going to have to suddenly be able to string together wins on the road I just don't think that you can suddenly turn that on when you're playing this disconnected and having this many struggles in the regular season so well yes I think there may be something to it that the Warriors do figure it out uh, come the postseason, there's got to be some level of momentum going into that. Um, and that's where I just, you know, I have a lot of concern because outside of Gary Payton II, this is the group that we've seen playing for the Warriors and they haven't been able to figure it out. 
Um, are they going to be able to do that? If they're going to, the clock is ticking very quickly for me. I mean, we are coming down to the last couple regular uh, season games. And once again, I just don't think you can suddenly finish the regular season. You squeak by and maybe a six seed because the West is so much parity and you're 500, but you still get that secured spot. Um, and then, but then all of a sudden just be able to show up and go through and win back to back to back playoff series and get all these wins on the road when you have the worst road record in the NBA going into the postseason. So if the Warriors are going to figure it out, it's got to be now. And to me, that's the biggest question mark. Cause I think on paper, this looks like a very strong group. And I like the addition of Gary Payton the second, if he's healthy. And again, a lot of ifs, if he's healthy, when is Andrew Wiggins coming back? That's still a big question mark. Will he come back? The Warriors have said, yes, uh, you know, we believe so, or we are under all the belief that he's going to be but there's still no guarantees as to you know what plays out in his future we don't know what he's going through um and then you mentioned anthony lamb potentially being in that in that number 10 role at the bottom of the you know playoff rotation he still hasn't been signed to a full deal he just played with the santa cruz warriors you know could that 10 spot end up being andre guadala are they going to end up signing lamb some people have speculated about ty jerome so that's still also a little bit of a question mark that needs to be answered but as far as one through nine my question is can this team play together and can they keep this chemistry going that they showed for example in the recent homestand on the road can they figure that out for the postseason because on paper this looks like a strong group but it hasn't come together on the court this season i am glad you bring up the team chemistry element of it because when I was going through stats and different marks yesterday, I found a good amount of positive momentum on the individual level. And I'll actually get to some of that right now. Yeah. So uh, actually, before I even do that, I want to talk about the defensive rating because this is just a funny one to me. They have the third worst defensive rating on the road this season, which is only above the Rockets and the Spurs, who are the two worst teams on defense overall. At home, their defensive rating is the third best, and it's only short to the Grizzlies and the Cavs, which have the two best ratings overall. So I don't think I've ever seen a team that is truly a tale of two sides when it comes to home and away. Uh, but if we're talking about the individual momentum, I mean, Jonathan Kaminga is one I want to point to because his plus minus to start the year was horrendous. And since January 1st of this year, he's plus 30. Large improvement from the beginning of the season. I don't think it's a coincidence that that has coincided with more reps, more playing time. They give him the green light to shoot those three-pointers, even if that's not his specialty necessarily. Clay Thompson, I love him so much, and I'm so glad I, stu I stuck up for him uh, at the beginning of the year when people were so impatient with him. Since the new year, 25.5 points per game, 4.5 rebounds per game, 2.5 assists per game, and almost 44% from beyond the arc. But the interesting one to me is Anthony Lamb, because again, I know he's been a subject on Locked On Warriors a lot. And plus minus at face value isn't a tell everything kind of stat, but I do think it's an important one to give a glimpse into someone's overall impact on the floor. And since the new year, the highest plus minus on the Golden State Warriors and the only person above triple digits is Anthony Lamb at plus 108. So before I continue rambling on, I just want to ask, does this mark A, surprise you, and B, is that enough to sway you a little bit more in favor of Anthony Lamb? I don't think plus minus is enough to sway me in terms of what a player's abilities and individual skill set are. I do think that it definitely 
can tell, I think, a part of a story, but I think you have to look at the big picture when including plus minus and when examining plus minus. So, you know, for example, Steph Curry is a 40-point night, seven assists, six rebounds like he did, and then he is a minus two. You know, I don't think that necessarily tells the story. Um, to me, I actually think that Anthony Lamb has done very well, and I think that he's fit into the Warriors rotation in certain instances. And I say he's done very well, and what I mean to say is that he's done well for a two-way player. Like, the Warriors have not leaned on a two-way player the way they have Anthony Lamb and incorporated them so heavily into their rotations, um, you know, ever, at least not during the last decade and, and during the Bob Myers era. Um, and so I think that he's overperformed for what his role should be on the team. Like he's played an NBA level at times. I think he looks better some nights than others. I think he's been inconsistent when it comes to shooting and, and some of his defense. Sometimes he overhelps. There's certain defensive possessions where I feel like he's a factor in breakdowns, unnecessary fouling. Um, but I don't think he's played bad. Um, I just don't think that you can look to him as being a key rotation piece, for example, when it comes to the postseason, when you need someone in the front court. And the Warriors, you know, I just think they're so thin at the front court. That's one of my big concerns going into the postseason because I think given certain matchups, sometimes when they play like a stretch five or at athletic centers, I think the Warriors' interior presence is exposed. We know that Steve Kerr has loved to go with the small ball, and it has worked in a lot of situations, they've been able to get wins going that direction. But I think given certain matchups, sometimes there is some level of concern and there just hasn't been consistency off the bench when it comes to the front court for the Warriors. Jamichael Green, very inconsistent. Um, someone that I don't think, again, you can necessarily trust with key rotation minutes if you're talking about a postseason series. Um, to me, Jonathan Kaminga is really the only option off the bench of, of any player that shows that they can play at that level. Um, and then that's to me where I just don't think I trust Anthony lamb in a postseason situation. There've been too many times where he made a stupid play or missed defensive assignment late in the game. And I don't say that to knock him because I think for a two way player, he's been very good for a two way player. Do I think that he's at the level of where he should be in a playoff rotation of a championship level team? No, I don't think that we're quite there yet. Um, so that's my evaluation of Anthony Lamb. And I think the plus minus, you know, tells some of the story. It doesn't tell all the story. I think he's fit in the Warrior system at times. I think he's done his job at times. But I think his individual skill set, you know, when it comes down to playing the best teams in the NBA is not quite there to being a playoff rotation piece. And that's where my concern comes in just with the Warriors front court depth. Because like I said, I feel like Jonathan Kaminga is the only reliable piece that you have off the bench in terms of a big and God forbid there would be ever anything to ever happen to the Warriors, uh, you know, the Warriors warrior. I don't know what else to say about him in, in Kavon Looney. And then Draymond Green has been healthy throughout the season. But when you if you look at injuries to either one of those guys, then suddenly it's like, who are we turning to? Because I do think the Warriors front court has just been an area of concern. I'm really glad that you bring that up. And I think that for all the backcourt firepower that is on this roster with the Splash Brothers plus Jordan Poole, it gets overlooked because let's be honest, let's look at the West and the interior defense is going to be a problem against Nikola Jokic. It's going to be a yep. problem against Jaron Jackson Jr. If he doesn't foul out, yep. it's going to be a problem against <laughs> Sabonis. Um, probably, it's probably more I'm missing. Uh, I mean, Dallas is probably like a more favorable matchup. If Zion Williamson gets healthy and the Pelicans sneak in, forget about it. So there's enough talented big men in this league just on the Western side, not even going to the East, just on the West alone. There's enough talented big men that can eat this team alive. And I'll go back to plus minus because it's going to corroborate your statement that it's not everything. The worst plus minus 
of a Warriors starter this season is the Warriors warrior, Kavon Looney, at plus 88. Everyone else is above that, but these players are now older. And yes, I think Steph Curry is at the age where you can still get everything out of him. He's probably a top three player in the league, in my opinion, still. Klay Thompson battled back from injuries. Draymond Green is not the same player on offense. He's older. Kavon Looney's 27, and as much as I love him, he doesn't give off the vibe of 27 years old, where he plays like he's like 35 and just an all-time overachiever. Wiggins, we hope he comes back because probably over the course of last playoffs, I think it's a fair argument to say he was their second best player on a consistent basis. Um, So we hope to see him back, but it's not everything, and there's a lot that needs to be fixed. As we sort of push the discussion forward, I know I gave you a little bit of time to think about this one. I would like to know your big three. So three things that you hope to see out of this Warriors team before the season ends. And it could be specific to one player. It could be specific to one game they have on the schedule. Or it could just be a broader team adjustment or result. But I'm just kind of curious as someone who's had so much time to pick this team apart and criticize them. What are three things that you want to see come April, May, June? The number one thing is that the Warriors have to play defense on the road. I don't think it can be stated enough. They have to figure it out on the road and specifically defense. Their defense has to be consistent. Consistency has been completely lacking as we talked about the huge parity between how they perform defensively on the road. I want to see them string together strong defensive performances both at home, both on the road. It seemed like they were starting to get it together based on this last homestand and that they'd turned a corner and they just hadn't. So I want to see the Warriors turn up the defensive intensity, bring the intensity every single night because that is just a huge piece of it. And even if they don't win every single game, if they're bringing that defensive intensity and just have better defensive ratings, at least not like the third or second worst in the league on the road, then I feel a little bit better about where they're at heading into the postseason and potentially being able to win road games in the postseason against higher level opponents. So to me, the number one thing is figuring it out on defense. And to me, figuring out on defense, the number one thing starts with bringing intensity and firepower because I just feel like it's been lacking, not being lackadaisical, being focused mentally. And I think then the rest of the game comes. And to me, defense is so much mental versus, you know, having physical attributes, because if you are a smart defender, you can still keep players in front of you. Even if you're not the fastest player on the court, if you can anticipate, if you play with intensity, if you play with hustle, if you box out, if you grab boards, you can still be effective without being the most physically gifted player on the court. Um, And so to me, the Warriors have to look within themselves to figure that out. To me, a lot of these struggles have to be mental in locking in playing intense and, you know, just being focused on what your assignments are, what the scouting report is, what you need to be doing. So number one thing I want to see from the Warriors, defensive consistency, bringing intensity, bringing hustle. Um, Number two thing. Okay. So can I put like number two? Okay. Maybe I'll do this as number three, but one of the things I would love to see is the Warriors sign a big, and I've been saying this all basically all season, but especially, you know, as we've got into 2023, I don't think it's going to happen. So I want to be very clear that I think my number two is a pipe, dream, Greg, but um, I would love to see the Warriors sign a big and add to that front court depth and given some of the players that ended up getting 
um, you know, ended up getting signed off or whatever. And some of the players who became available on the buyout market is what I mean to say, um, based on some of the players who became a, uh, available in the buyout market, I think the Warriors had some options to improve their front court depth. There are still some free agents out there um, who are bigs. I mean, I've said all season that I wouldn't be opposed to Boogie Cousins coming back. It's not going to happen because Greg uh, Bob Meyer said in some kind of interview that, oh, well, you know, Boogie, blah, 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 that he would never sign him. So I don't think any of these things are going to happen, but I still would feel so good about the Warriors rotation if they had an experienced vet big who could just be a rim protector and help with some of the interior defense that we talked about. That's like the number two thing on my wish list, but I think it's a pipe dream because I don't think any of that's going to happen. Some of the players who came available in the buyout market that I liked all were signed away. The Warriors didn't make moves on Nerland's Noel is one who came up fairly recently that I've been tweeting about and talking to a lot of you know, fans about that people were pretty on board with. I mean, it's not someone that you need a lot of minutes from in, like I said, a big who's maybe the number 10 on the bench, as you mentioned, maybe an Anthony Lamb could potentially be in the postseason. But I'd feel better if we had a, a rim protector who's a little bit more experienced, a little bit more proven to be strong defensively. Um, so that's my number two and like my wish list, wish list. Um, number three for me, and it's not even one player, it's chemistry. This team has to figure out the chemistry because it looked like they had it. It looked like they turned the corner with the five game homestand where they won five in a row and then it just completely fell apart. And I don't understand how adding Steph Curry to the mix would hurt chemistry. It doesn't make sense to me because as you, you mentioned early in this um, episode, you know, Steph Curry is a player who's known to be so great at making the players around him better. He sets up teammates. He is in addition to being a great scorer and has become better at being a facilitator as well. He had seven assists just in the game last night. Um, and I just think in general, because of that gravity, because of the defenders he draws being Steph Curry, he opens up the floor for the players around him. I just don't see how, if you're a player, that you know it would be more difficult to play the game of basketball with Steph Curry on the floor versus without. Um, so to me, that's something that's puzzling because it looked like the team had kind of figured out this chemistry piece. And to me, there's just been this disconnect when watching the Warriors throughout the season. We've already talked about the defensive piece, but offensively at times too, there's been a disconnect. Uh, there was a play that got tweeted out uh, last night and actually the tweet now has been deleted. I want to, I wonder if I could find that clip again, but where like Draymond green showed at the top of the key and wanted to get the ball from Jordan pool pool did not pass it to him. He played it back. They tried to move it around the horn and whoever was at the top, I think it was maybe he played it back to Curry. Curry looked to find Draymond green and Draymond green kind of thrown his hands up stormed away, stomped away, and literally just like totally gave up on the play. And the ball got thrown to him and he just had his back to the play and it got stolen. And, you know, OKC went the other way and then scored in transition. And to me, that just like is kind of a microcosm of the Warriors season at this point. It's just like some kind of disconnect. I don't think that the veteran players and the younger players have gelled necessarily. I hate to go all the way back to the beginning of the season, but it's something that fans have now been bringing up as well is, you know, has the punch really had a long-term effect on this team's chemistry? And it's something that's, you know, maybe not been talked about at the surface, but it's just something that's, you know, kind of laying below the surface and that it just, it hurt the foundation of the Warriors chemistry and, you know, something that they wanted to move on from, but maybe just still is having lingering effects that we don't realize. I think it's a fair question, but to me, the chemistry piece is the most important thing. What makes this Warriors team so fun to watch, or at least what did, for example, last season when they're winning and they're winning a championship is this unbelievable chemistry. They talk so much in the Warriors organization from the front office down about the culture, about how much fun it is to play basketball for the Warriors, the joy that they show on the court. And to me, it's just been missing the season and to me that's what makes the Warriors organization so different than other organizations and franchises throughout the NBA that has been missing to me this season during this last five game homestand I saw that again and it's gone again 
as soon as these last two games came up on the road. So to me, the chemistry has to come together. It has to be consistent and they have to bring that joy to every single game going into a postseason if you want to win. And to me, like I said, I just feel like that's what makes the Warriors so fun to watch and a fun franchise to be a fan of is that they bring so much joy. The Steph Curry effect, he's an unbelievable leader on and off the court, unbelievable person. The Warriors have prided themselves on setting this really high cultural standard, creating a family atmosphere, setting high ethics for this group. And I just feel like the joy has been lacking the season. Is that something you've noticed as well? 100%. And I think that during that homestand with the bench and seeing Steph Curry and Gary Payton in particular yes. not playing, but being so into it, exactly. that was like, that was something that was very different. And so I don't want to say it's joyless, but it isn't necessarily the same and it's not the same feel. And I'm really glad you bring up chemistry because if I could just sum up what this season's chemistry has been into a two-minute moment of the season, it has to be that game against the Grizzlies at home where Jordan Poole took an ill-advised shot, Steph Curry gets upset, he throws his mouthpiece, which is an automatic ejection, so now the Warriors are without their best player for the last stretch. Jordan Poole covered up for his mistake by hitting the game-winning layup. And then there's the scene in the tunnel where he's walking in and Steph Curry kind of gives him that like older brother, the younger brother look and high-fives him and they hug him out. But, and so you're thinking, okay, like it's all fine. It all worked out. But it's like, is it fine? I don't think we're going to have an answer, truly, until the season is over. And... I believe it's going to be one of those cases where if the Warriors get bounced in the first round or don't even make the playoffs, then you're thinking to yourself, why did I ever think it was going to turn around? It's been such a mess all season. This wasn't the year. Yeah. Or take it the other way. If they go on a little run and they upset some team in the first round, you're going to be thinking to yourself, why did I ever think that they were out of it? Like, of course this was going to happen. And so I bring up that pool incident with the mouthpiece and Steph getting ejected because I don't think we will have our answer until the season is over. What do I predict? I don't know. I find it very hard to see them winning a seven game series when they don't have home court advantage based on the information that we have. But I'd never have been somebody to count out this big three and make it big four if you want to throw Looney in there too, just for all the years of defying the odds. So, I don't know. I think those are great things to mention. Um, if I could have one thing that I want for the rest of the season, and I know we talked a little bit about this this weekend, but I just want that signature win. And it could even yeah. come on their home floor. It doesn't have to be oh, it's on the road, or they did something they haven't done this season. I just want one game, assuming they can get into the playoffs, where they either defeat a great opponent at home or they have a great win on the road against a semi-competitive team. And it's just going to make the league turn their head a little bit and stress them out. I want the Warriors to be in some playoff series and maybe they steal one of those early games on the road and make their opponent just stress out and think, oh boy, here we go. This might be happening. Now, my disclaimer is that 
if it is the Sacramento Kings that is on the other side of that, I'll feel less good about it, but I'm not going to not enjoy it either. So I want a signature win. I just want teams to be a little bit on their heels coming into the playoffs. And I don't know. The West feels like anybody's game right now. Like you'd think Denver and Phoenix have the best chance. And it's hard to see Kevin Durant going down with joining an already talented Suns team. But it's still anybody's anybody's West right now. I mean, my question for you is, like, what do you think at this point would define a signature win for the Warriors? Because I think it's so interesting, and one of the, you know, fascinating parts about the Warriors this season is that they have been able to beat good teams. They just haven't been able to do it consistently. Because, like, I look back at, like, the Celtics, and I'm like, oh, wow, I thought that was going to be a signature win. And then, like, the Warriors turned back into pumpkins when they head on the road, which is something I tweeted. Uh, but I just, I don't get how they suddenly will look so good and then go back to, you know, playing so bad when they head on the road. So you mentioned you didn't think it has to be a road win. Like what would make a signature win for you at this point? So they have a hard schedule left. In fact, they have the ninth hardest schedule and a lot of their home games where they're typically successful, they have three home games. So if it's one of these three and they do it in a respectable fashion where they're just have that killer instinct and fourth quarter closing mentality. I will be happy if it is against the Bucks, who are red hot. The 76ers who come on March 24th because Joel Embiid is probably not going to get stopped by this defense. Let's be honest. Or if they do it against a Phoenix Suns team, assuming that people play, if they have Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Deandre Ayton, if those four are out there and healthy, and they get a win over the Phoenix Suns, I would count that in the category. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. Because I was going to say the one to me that I'm looking at, because it's very close to the postseason, is an April 2nd trip to Denver. And I think if the Warriors show up in that, like let's say they dominated Denver and like win by a huge margin, they take them out 20 points on the road. Like to me, that would be huge because you're looking at, you know, you're a week or two out from the postseason Everyone's talking about Denver. Everyone's talking about Nikola Jokic. Like that to me would be a big statement. So that's one that I kind of have circled that I'm like, okay, if you mentioned statement wins, like that's one where I could maybe see, could this be the one signature that they need to kind of really propel from into a postseason push? But I like all the ones you brought up too. But right. I just, like I said, I wanted to in- include and mention that April 2nd meeting in Denver. And especially given the road struggles, like if they were able to beat Denver, and like I said, if they do it in dominant fashion, like mm, right before the postseason, like Warriors are back, maybe. <laughs> oh, I think a road win of any kind is going to hold more yeah. weight than of, the yeah. best of the home wins. I mean, they yep. play the Grizzlies on the road twice. And I know the Grizzlies are not in their best form, both emotionally and in terms of just who's out there playing. But beating the Grizzlies on the road still counts. And that's, by the way, we talk about defensive rating, second best defensive rating in the league, best at home by far. So I feel like if they can somehow get past that barrier, it's a team that they've beaten six out of the last eight times, but like you did it twice at home this year do it on the road. You got two games coming up. If one of those can be a statement, then I would respect it. Uh, The Denver game, obviously that's the dream, like heading into April and going on the road and just taking them out. I think that would be fantastic, but I'm trying to uh, 
keep my expectations semi low. And in fact, uh, in fact, before we wrap up, you know, we do have a little bit of betting talk that goes on with the show. Uh, BetOnline.ag and FanDuel, I know two partners for our respective podcast worlds, do not have a line out right now for this game tomorrow, Warriors at Grizzlies. But if you were setting the line, if you were Kylan Mills from Las Vegas, like what do you think is a good line that would kind of have you on the fence for this game? Oh, I don't want to play Vegas, Greg, because I will say they get it right or so close to right every time. Like, it is crazy. Um, I'm trying to think where I would feel comfortable with the Warriors being at. I mean, I don't know. So to me, I feel like the Warriors have more to lose in this game than they have more to gain because I think if the Warriors lose, like, that's going to be a bigger concern. Like, wow, you can't beat the Grizzlies without John Morant, without Brandon Clark, versus if they win, it's kind of like, eh, well, you beat the Grizzlies without John Morant and without Brandon Clark and not fully healthy and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so to me, the bigger concern is I feel like they have more to lose. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Warriors – I mean, I think the line's going to be in favor of the Grizzlies just because the Warriors' road struggles, given where the two teams are at, the standings, the records. What would you guess if you had to guess a point spread? Personally, I would say around four and a half, five and a half in favor okay, of the Grizzlies. And I know like – yeah, and that's probably where it will be, like knowing how these lines work. But if I'm just talking about where I personally am on the fence, I think around that four yeah. and a half to five is where mm-hmm. I'm a little bit like, ooh, I don't know. And then over under is going to be fun too because uh, the Warriors, the over hits when they're on the road, it hits the highest out of any other team on the road. It's hit 23 out of 32 times. Yeah, 23, 8, and 1. And then for the Grizzlies, they also have a great defensive rating. And the under hits, more often, it's 20 of the 33 times. So point total-wise, I would guess it's going to be somewhere probably around the 230, maybe like 228 to 230, uh, just knowing how they've treated the Warriors. But it's like, even so, the Warriors' point totals have still been undervalued on the road because I think... Even Vegas is just expecting at some point the defense is going to show up. They play a team like OKC that doesn't play much defense. It's a fast-paced game, and they drop 137. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I feel like in general, just like taking the Warriors over is usually the safest bet. I know you mentioned uh, some of the numbers, even against the Grizzlies. I, my problem with trying to predict like where to even, you know, put money on some of these lines is that I think the game is either going to be really close or it's going to be a blowout. Like, I think it's going to be one or the other. Like, I don't think there's going to be anywhere in between. I think either the Warriors are going to come out and they're going to have it, or they're going to come out. And part of their problem in some of these road struggles recently is that they, you know, just absolutely come out terrible in the first quarter and then they have to try to dig themselves out of a hole. So that's why I think either the Warriors are going to go down big in the, the first quarter and they're not going to be able to dig themselves back out of that hole or it's going to be a super tight and a close game where that three or four point mark is going to be very, you know what I mean? It's going to be very iffy and be very relevant or three to five points, you know, per se. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see to me, the way the Warriors come out from tip off is going to be the, is going to be a really, really good indicator because when they don't show up in the first quarter, they make it very difficult for themselves to try to battle back in a road environment, you know, with 
fans screaming and you know you're not in your home floor and that's where i think they've run into some trouble so i don't know i think it's going to go one way or the other the way they come out is going to be a big factor and you know i think it's either going to be really close or it's not going to be close at all so i'm very curious to see how this plays out um if i were going to guess and not knowing the number but i still would lean towards the over um but because the warriors offense still finds ways to break down and they've had the grizzlies number you know, throughout, like you mentioned, the last eight meetings. And I still think the Warriors will be able to break down the Grizzlies' defense. Um, it's just a matter of, will they be able to play defense? And that's a big, big question mark. And just bringing back something that you mentioned a little bit earlier in the episode, it doesn't matter how many big shots you're hitting down the stretch if you can't stop the other team from scoring. Yeah. Like, the reason they won the NBA Finals last year is sure they made big shots game four was Steph's legacy game yada 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 but game five game six they just shut the Celtics down going on these crazy runs and making it so they didn't have to play flawless on offense it's actually ironically enough that was kind of my concern with the Sacramento Kings I stuck up for them early in the year and was like hey this team's way more competitive than everybody thinks and it aged well except for the fact that they are so good on offense that a lot of yeah. times they create that buffer. The Warriors don't necessarily have that luxury. Um, by the way, yeah. before I uh, get on out of here and, and let you go get on with your day, do you have a March Madness team that you're just so passionate about? Ooh, um, good question. I haven't even started studying my brackets and I'm like really into the March Madness brackets too, but I will say keep an eye on the Gales. And just because we're both Bay area folks, like, I love Randy Bennett, uh, have covered the team quite a bit. I think he's a fantastic coach. He's a, he's a coach who's been able to make this team relevant, you know, in the last couple decades, uh, not a great performance against Gonzaga, but they have beat Gonzaga earlier in the regular season. They've showed they can play with, play with some ranked opponents. So like, if I'm looking for a Cinderella story, like I'm looking for the Gales to put it all together this season, um, and try to make a run. Cause I think that would be really fun. They, I think they could be that like mid-major smaller school that makes it a couple rounds and kind of keeps everyone on their toes so i'm excited to see what they do um i, I don't know if i had to pick a final four right now i don't know that i have, have an answer for you but i know that like i said i, I feel like i'll tell you what i'm done putting my money on gonzaga because every single year i thought that they look like they're going to be dominant and go and like every year i put them like in my final four in my national championship for the last several years and they don't show up. I don't know what it is about them choking in the tournament, but that's one team I won't put my money on. And like I said, I'm going to be excited to see what the Gales do because I do think that they're, they are having a great season. I like their coach. I like their makeup of their team. And I, I think they could do something. I think they can win a couple rounds, maybe. I like that take on the Gales. I need to get more into all the college stuff myself too, to be completely honest. But last year I thought they were great and just had a really tough draw. They, had a dominant first yeah. round and then ran into UCLA in the second round, who was very much a sweet 16 caliber team and could have gone yeah. to the elite eight past North Carolina. So um, it's going to be fun. Like next, gosh, is that next Thursday already? Oh man. I'm going to be know. like, where has time gone? <laughs> That's I will what I'm be saying. off like, the I face of the earth. <laughs> also, yeah, you got all the college uh, tournaments going this week so that'll also like kind of lead to you know which way i lean in a lot of ways let's see who does well and let's see you know who shows up in their conference championship so we'll see how all that plays out and then march madness is going to be here before we know it 
I can't wait. It's going to be great. And then we got the NBA playoffs, which hopefully contain the Golden State Warriors. But gosh, one can only hope right now. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, Kylan, huge thank you. And uh, you guys can find Kylan on Twitter at Kylan Mills. Nice and simple name. She also. I know. Thank God. There's no other yeah. Kylan Mills out there. So I have it easy because I just can like put my first and last name for all of my social media pages like Instagram, Twitter, you know, Facebook, whatever. Because there's no one else. I don't have to put a bunch of numbers and stuff on there. Um, <laughs> so easy to find. Yeah. And that's just even more reason why you should just go give her the follow right now as I speak. Um, you know, also check her out on Locked On Warriors with Cyrus Satsas. They do a fantastic job discussing the dubs. If you want more content on this particular Bay Area team that is just a tale of two cities, still can't understand it, and maybe we never will. But, uh, Kylan, thank you so, so, so much. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Greg. Appreciate it. It's been fun. Could chop it up all day. We'll definitely have to, you know, plan something again soon. Uh, and we'll see. Maybe we'll be doing this again in, with a postseason episode. You never know. Yeah, it's either going to be titled Warrior's Funeral or, like, Why Did I Ever <laughs> Doubt Them? Right? Exactly. That's the thing. And you're absolutely right in what you said earlier. We're not going to know, like, until either they're eliminated in the first round or they go back to the championship. So we'll see. We'll circle back in, you know, a couple months. <laughs> hundred percent um to all the listeners who made it to the end of this episode thank you so much as always do not forget to like share subscribe go check out kylan's content locked on warriors a million other things because she is a true grinder and as always keep screaming do not stop Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.